Well, in Jonah chapter 1, I want to look this morning at verses 4 through 6. So we know that, uh, that Jonah has been tasked as one of God's preachers to, uh, to go to the city of Nineveh. It's the capital of Assyria, and these are pagan people. They're not God-fearing, God-worshipping people. They are pagans. They worship false gods. They are a ruthless people uh, and who have, have captured other people's uh, in their region during their time and have been especially bloodthirsty and ruthless in the process. But nonetheless, these are people that God feels are worth saving. And so he wants them to hear uh, the message that he's given Jonah. Jonah goes the other way. And uh, so he is heading for a place called Tarshish. And so he's on a ship at this point. And so Uh, looking at verses 4 through 6 of Jonah 1 this morning. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. And so there are two distinct halves in the book of Jonah. And right now we are in that first half. The first half is the flight from God. And then the second half will be the mission to Nineveh. But Jonah has fled, and what he, you know, the reason he has fled is because he doesn't believe that the people in the city of Nineveh, these pagan people, he doesn't think they're worth saving. And so he doesn't want to preach a message that calls them to repent. And so that's why he gets on the ship and heads the other way. Now, it's interesting, though, because when the captain of the ship comes and wakes Jonah up, he says, pray to your God. And so that tells us right there that it's a culture, it's a time in which there were lots of gods that were worshipped. Now, of course, in our, in our society today. Now, locally, we don't see a lot of this. Uh, but certainly in the world, there are other religions uh, that have many millions, in some cases, even you know, billions of followers, whether that be Islam or Buddhism or what have you. So we know that there are other religions in the world. People are still... Uh, worshiping and praying to false gods. Uh, So thousands of years later, that has not changed. But the number of gods they would have had in this society is uh, there's just a tremendous number of different uh, religions and different gods that people are praying to. And so so, uh, the the people are... We we see that the, the sailors are frightened. 
uh, verse 5, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. Now that's God with a, with a small g, a lowercase g. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, uh, what we, that, that has to resonate with us as the audience reading this now. Uh, what the author wants us to take note of is that this is no ordinary storm. Uh, we have to remember, these are professional sailors. They've seen storms before. Now, some of you have been on the Tennessee River. Maybe you were vacationing in Destin or Panama City Beach or the Gulf of Mexico, and you went out on a boat, uh, maybe like a fishing charter or something like that. Uh, and then some of you may have even gotten on a much larger ship. You've taken a cruise at some point in your life. And so you, you might have some experience of what it's like to be on the water and maybe being on the water even when a storm came up. Well, typically when the storm comes up, you've got some degree of warning. Uh, you go maybe go from... Uh, sunny skies to maybe the, the clouds start gathering and the clouds start getting darker and then you can see the dark clouds on the horizon and you think to yourself, hey, uh, we, we might need to do something different. Of course, if you're on a cruise ship, that's, uh, uh, that, that's not a thought that you're, you're concerned with. That's the captain and his crew's thought uh, of what they might have to do uh, to avoid a storm or get through a storm. Uh, and of course, certainly in their day, they didn't have radar. They don't know how big the storm is or how far it is away. But it tells me for them to be so afraid, and we'll get more into this next week when they start casting lots, but that, that this is no ordinary storm because it says here in verse 4, such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. So they are scared literally for their lives at this point. And so... Uh, and so the, the, the captain uh, goes to find Jonah because he's thinking, hey, one more person, uh, that's one more God to be prayed to, and maybe that's the God we need to be praying to. Of course, that's their thought process is if we get enough people praying to their God, maybe we'll find the right God who can do something about this. Uh, but what it speaks to is, you know, where is Jonah? Uh, the title of this message is, Who is My Neighbor? And so, Jonah has fled uh, because he doesn't want to deal with a bunch of pagans. And then, ironically, where does he find himself? He is on a ship. He can't get away from them. They're on a ship together. And who's he with? He's with a bunch of pagans. And so, he's going to end up to talking... Uh, uh, you know, he's going to end up to talk, end up talking about God uh, to the exact sort of people that he was fleeing in the first place. Now, the sailors are not necessarily have a reputation for being ruthless and bloodthirsty like uh, the Assyrians do in Nineveh, but nonetheless, uh, we're reminded by the language here: uh, "Pray to your God that these are that these are." non-Jewish people here, that these are, these are pagans uh, that are on this ship. And so, and so what we have to look at is that Jonah 
has two different opportunities here to show that he cares about people. Uh, one is by going to Nineveh and calling them into repentance, and he doesn't want to do that. And now he has an opportunity uh, with the pagans, sailors that are on this ship, and once again, he kind of gives this impression that he doesn't care about these people, uh, that he is off to himself. And God wants us to care about humanity. In Genesis uh, chapter 9, verse 6, we read, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God, God has made mankind. In the image of God, God has made mankind. Not that God has made the Christians or God has made the people in the churches of Christ. No. That God has made all of mankind in His image, even those that do not call on His name. In James 3, verse 9, we read, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And so we see it from the earliest words of Holy Scripture in Genesis 9, and then we see it uh, much later. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, writing these words in James 3. Uh, reminding us that human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And so uh, we need to be uh, we need to be aware is the is the topic of this. Uh, the author of Jonah wants us to realize that Jonah is doing a lousy job as a child of God, being aware of the needs of the people around him. And that is not what God wants from us. Uh, Jonah is self-absorbed, we might say, by his own problems. And the sailors are working together for the common good of everyone on the boat. And so what does that say when a child of God, someone who is known to be a person of faith, because... Uh, because after all, the captain, the captain doesn't hesitate. He says, hey, what are you doing down here? You know, get up and pray to your God. So he, he has known, he knows at least enough about Jonah that Jonah is a person of faith. And so the captain, the pagan, the non-child of God calls on not only one of God's children but one of God's preachers to say, hey, you know, act like you care. Act like you give a rip about someone besides yourself. Because, buddy, we are in trouble. We're hurting. We need help. And we're all working to the common good. And so Jonah is doesn't show any evidence that he cares about anybody but himself. And church family, that is a problem. James chapter 2. Uh, we read these words, beginning with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what, church? It's dead. And that's one thing that draws a lot of people to the book of James. I had someone, uh, someone outside of our congregation even, uh, in a con- I was in a conversation with a couple weeks ago, and they said, you know, James is one of my favorite books, and with good reason, because James's language is so straightforward. Uh, you know, when Paul writes to the letters to the churches, he uses lots of symbolism and things that uh, we really have to dig into uh, first century culture and history to understand sometimes what it might be that he's uh, that he's referring to. Uh, with James, it's not so. Uh, James gives, uh, I think the the book is only five chapters long, but it gives a lot of straightforward. Uh, Understanding is what it means to be a child of God and what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. And so James in this section is saying, you know, it's great that you have faith, but if you truly have faith, if you've truly had a conversion from, you know, being a person who is lost to a person who is found, a person who is saved, then people are going to see some salt and light from you. The verse that Daryl read this morning from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before who? Before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, you're, you're living enough of a godly life. You're living a life that says, I care about more than just myself. And you're doing it in such a way that people see you doing that. And they understand that you're a person of faith. Jonah was known to be a person of faith by the people on the ship. The problem is, when things are rough, they've got to go wake him up. And say, come on, we're in trouble here. Would you please, please... Act like you care about someone besides yourself. And so it's a problem if that's the way the world looks at us. Now, just within our church family, just within the congregation of the Hohenwald Church of Christ, we have these ministries. And ministries that have continued uh, to bless people uh, even during uh, all, all the shutdowns that we've had of our building, all the canceled events but it hasn't changed the fact that we, we are still spending a few hundred dollars at least every month uh, on helping people that need uh, a tank of gas to get to work so they can keep their job or that they've been displaced from their home and they need a room for the night until they can figure out what they're going to do next or until a relative can come and get them and help them out. Uh, or maybe, uh, as it's been this particular month, people needing help with their electric bills uh, so they don't uh, so their electricity is not shut off and so we are still doing that you know we have Joanne continues to meet people up here that need clothing uh, we have the ladies 
uh, from the encouragers who have taken over the pantry ministry. And, uh, and so uh, people are being fed. Food, clothing, shelter, uh, it's still being done. And so people in the community can sense that the, the Hohenwald Church of Christ does care. We do give a rip. And, uh, but it, it also doesn't just need to be the collective whole of the money we contribute here going to bless others. It, it needs to be us on an individual basis, living a life like Jesus describes in Matthew 5, letting our light shine before others so that they may see our good deeds and what? Glorify our Father who is in heaven. And here's something we need to be aware of. That people outside the community of faith have a right to evaluate the church on its commitment for the good of all. And this comes from uh, Timothy Keller's book on Jonah called The Prodigal Prophet. Now let me read that again. That's a direct quote. People outside the community of faith have a right to evaluate the church on its commitment to the good of all. I agree with that. You know, they have a right to have an opinion that says, you know, they care about the community. Or that person, I know they go to church and I know they care about me. But of course, what's the flip side of that coin? They don't care about the community. They don't care about me. And that's what we want to avoid being guilty of, church family. That we don't want to be asleep when the world is in trouble. When people very close by are in trouble and are afraid. And so that's something that we have to be aware of. No place in uh, Scripture is the definition of, of who our neighbor is so evident as in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Now, I'm not going to read all that this morning, but that is uh, where Jesus teaches uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so we know that story. Uh, we know that it starts with a teacher of the law who poses a question to Jesus. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How Jesus then responds and says, well, how do you read the law? And then uh, the teacher of the law says, well, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus says, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And he doesn't mean just you'll live another 10, 20, 40 years. I mean, he's meaning do this because the question is eternal life. And Jesus says, yes, if you love God and love others, you're going you're gonna to live. You're going to have eternal life. And Luke tells us in that passage of Scripture that, that the, the teacher of the law is really... That, that's really not what he was really trying to get at. He's wanting to justify himself. You know, he's wanting to kind of make a name for himself. There, there's an audience gathered around. And uh, so he wants to be seen as someone who can challenge Jesus. He wants to be seen as someone who is, you know, smart as a whip, you might say. 
And so he's trying to justify himself, and so then he poses this question. But who is my neighbor? And of course, that's the teaching moment that Jesus loves and does so well with. Uh, it's in that moment that, uh, that Jesus then launches into this story. And so, you know, he begins, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then we know about the robbers and how he's bloody and beaten and laid, left to die on the side of the road. And along comes the first person and he passes by. Not only, not only does he not stop to help, but he doesn't even want to come close to the body. And so he moves to the complete other side of the road to pass by. And that person, we're told, is a priest. A what? A, a church person, right? And then the next person, Jesus says, is a Levite. Well, they're the people that take care of the temple. And uh, so again, a church person. And so now not one but two church people have passed by and haven't done squat to help somebody who is literally bleeding on the side of the road. And so then along comes the person that the church people despise. The church people today being the Jews. And so this person comes along and it's a Samaritan. And you know the story that he not only picks him up and puts him on his donkey and carries him to the inn, but then uh, he, he gives him first aid. He bandages the wounds and, and then uh, tells the innkeeper, you know, here I'm paying for his room and give him whatever he needs. You know, make sure he's fed, make sure he's cared for. And uh, he gives him two denarii. So it's two days wages. Now, for some people, two days wages might be, you know, 40 or $50. For some people, two days wages might be, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars. Maybe more. But imagine reaching in your pocket or your wallet and pulling out uh, two days worth of wages and giving that on behalf of a complete stranger. Because Jesus seems to be telling us, you care about people, you're willing to go into your pocket to that extent. And so, and so then he, he furthermore, he says to the innkeeper, but hey, I'm going to be back by, and if that's not enough, I will give you more later. So what's it going to be? Two days wages now, it may be a third day's wage, a fourth day's wage, a fifth day's wage. That... We are called to be people who sacrifice on behalf of others, even others that might be very, very different than us. If this is a Samaritan and the guy is a Jew, actually, I mean, we could assume that because uh, we know that, uh, that he was uh, going down from Jerusalem. And so uh, Jerusalem is the holy city and not known to be a pagan enclave. And so, uh, so Jesus is saying, hey, the church person was there lying by the side of the road, and the preacher walked on by, and then you know, maybe a deacon or somebody walks on by, and, and then, but then here came the scumbag of, of their society, at least as seen by the church people. 
and it was the scumbag who helped out. And so then Jesus asked this question of the teacher of the law. He asked the expert, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replies, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus' response to all of us is very simple and straightforward. Go and do likewise. If you are not a child of God and you happen to be watching this, I encourage you to reach out to us, to go to Hohenwald Church of Christ. Uh, .com, and you can contact us through our website. Uh, you know, if you're somebody who's here in the community, then by all means, uh, come by our church building, reach out to us. Uh, if you're someone within our church family, then you certainly know how to reach out to us. But I encourage you to, to not put it off, uh, to become a child of God, to become someone who lets their light shine before others. Uh, so that your good deeds can glorify God. And if you have some need that, uh, that you need your church family to pray about, I pray that you reach out to us and uh, let us know about that so that we can be uh, offering a prayer on your behalf. Uh, let's go to God in prayer and we'll conclude our time together this morning. Father, I just pray that you help us to not be the kind of church people that are just going to keep walking on by when someone has needs. And Father, we know that there can be a fine line between helping people and enabling people. And Father, I just ask that your spirit uh, allow us to discern the difference. But Father, that, that when we don't know the difference, it's always best to err on the side of love and graciousness. And Father, I, I thank you for a church family, this body of believers and the ministries that we undertake that help people through clothing and, and uh, benevolence and the pantry. But Father, also that you will empower each of us uh, to do the very same on an individual basis as well. That it's not simply enough for us to drop something in the contribution basket or mail a check-in and give online or whatever the mode might be of our giving and then and then to say, well, the church will handle that. No, that you call us to more than that. And Father, I just pray that you will help us to be people who are good neighbors. Father, for those who are lost, I pray that they will be found, that your spirit will lay on their heart the necessity of becoming a child of God through faith, repentance, and baptism. And Father, that if someone is just hurting in such a way that we may not be aware of just because of this time in which we're separated from one another, that they will make their needs known so that we can pray about their need and maybe physically help their need. And Father, I just pray that you be with our church family in the days, of head, days ahead. Help us to be good neighbors. In the name of Jesus, we offer this prayer. Amen. May God bless each and every one of you in the days ahead. Just a reminder that Children's Church, Sunday night devotional, and Wednesday night class continue to be uploaded to our YouTube channel. Good afternoon.